Hey, it's Stu with Bitcoin and Financial Independence, and today I want to talk about how businesses can get involved with Bitcoin, specifically how they can add Bitcoin to their treasury, add it to their balance sheet, and hold Bitcoin or buy Bitcoin for their business, and also accepting Bitcoin for goods and services. We're going to talk about first how they can do all this, and then secondly, why a business should consider doing this. All right, to get this started, a business can pretty easily and simply add Bitcoin to their balance sheet and basically have an emergency fund in Bitcoin. It's relatively simple. There are two platforms that I have used before for my personal use. Uh, I do not own a business, but my wife does. And so these are the two platforms that her business is looking at opening an account with. Uh, they essentially do the same thing, but there are some differences between the two platforms that we can dive into. Uh, one is River, and it's just at river.com. It's a, a good Bitcoin-only exchange, very reputable, and you can set up an entity account with them. It's a fairly simple process. And then from there, you can connect up a bank account, and I believe you can just buy Bitcoin whenever you want or probably set up a, a recurring purchase if you want to allocate 500 a week or 1,000 a month or whatever you want to do for your business that will help get you allocated over time. I haven't looked too deep into this, but the other thing that you can do with River that I find interesting, and you can't do this with Swan Bitcoin, but you can buy a Bitcoin miner with your LLC or your business with your entity account. And how it works is this is a hosted Bitcoin mining service. So you buy a miner, we'll say for two to $5,000. I'm not sure the price is exactly or what they offer, but I know that's generally the price of miners these days. And you're buying a computer that they set up and these computers are designed specifically to validate blocks on the blockchain. They're not really good for anything else and they're loud, they kick off a lot of heat. These computers are called ASICs, it's application specific, is the AS, I forget what the IC stands for, but I'll link that in the show notes. And so what you do is you buy a Bitcoin miner with your entity. You can even buy a miner with your IRA. Uh, but with your business account, we'll just stick with that or your personal account if you want. Uh, you can buy this miner, you're supporting the network, and you'll be earning Bitcoin every 10 minutes if you join a pool. And they will host it for you, they will set it up, they will maintain it, and then you'll get a certain amount of Bitcoin based on how much Bitcoin the pool that you join mines. So what I mean by a Bitcoin mining pool is that everyone pools together their efforts, and when the pool wins, then everyone splits the reward, basically. So that's how that works, because the chances of an individual miner winning uh, a block is really low it did happen a few times last year and i'm not sure if it's happened since but basically what happens if if you have a miner let's just say in your house it's super loud you have to plug it in like in the special plug that your dryer goes into and you would win right now 6.25 bitcoin if your miner solved the encryption key and figured out and validated that next block so that's how that works and but if i'm correct this is just a hosted miner within a Bitcoin mining pool. And there are 900 Bitcoins being mined a day at the current rate. There's 6.25 Bitcoins released about every 10 minutes or so. Uh, so that's 900 every day. And next year, that's going to drop in half. It'll be 450 Bitcoins mined every day. So with River and an entity account, you can do this. That's about the extent of my knowledge with River. And what separates them is that hosted mining service. If you wanted to earn Bitcoin that way, it's also more private when you get Bitcoin from a miner. There are some advantages to getting Bitcoin that you mine directly, for sure. But this probably isn't something most businesses are necessarily going to do. It just kind of depends. 
and uh, you can just buy and hold and the dollar cost average into Bitcoin and they're solid. They have no fees and a very narrow spread. So you're getting a good price on the Bitcoin that you're buying. Now, the other option that's really good, and I think it's got possibly more features that would interest most businesses and possibly a little bit more user-friendly. Um, I'm more familiar with Swan Bitcoin, but basically same thing. You can set up an entity account. It's a quick form that you fill out. And within a day or two, uh, your LLC or your business has an account, just like you can have a personal account. And just like River, you can say, I'm going to buy $50 of Bitcoin every day or $100 every week or 1000 every month. You can just choose the amount. You can choose the intervals that you want to start buying Bitcoin. You can also buy it on the spot. And they also, I believe, have a trigger order. So you could say, for example, if Bitcoin drops below $25,000 per coin, I'm going to buy $1,000 of Bitcoin. Or if it drops below $18,000, I'm going to buy $2,000 worth of Bitcoin, stuff like that. So that's a nice feature if you want to get more allocated, just an extra functionality. And I'll just say that River might have that functionality, but if they do, it's not something I'm aware of. The other thing that maybe gives Swan the advantage over River possibly is what's called the Bitcoin Benefit Plan. And what the Bitcoin Benefit Plan allows you to do is give a bonus to an employee. Uh, I've known this in the past as what's known as a spot bonus or like an on-the-spot bonus. So let's just say that one of your employees happens to save a critical account from canceling or sells a huge client or, or does something outstanding. You can go ahead and give them a bonus from the Bitcoin Benefit Plan on the spot and just be like, wow, this is awesome. You did a great job. Here is $50 of Bitcoin or however much you want to reward that employee. That's something that you can do with the Bitcoin Benefit Plan. But it's also got this functionality where you can give employees Bitcoin every month, kind of like a 401k plan, except they don't have to add anything. It's not stocks, it's just Bitcoin. Uh, but you could say, I want to give all of my employees $10 of Bitcoin per month or however much you want to give them, uh, just like you can with a 401k match. So this might be a good alternative if you have a smaller business just to give them some Bitcoin. It goes to their individual accounts. They have to go in and set that up. But it, it's allocated to them, at least, until they go and set it up. And they can go claim that and put it in their own account at some point. So that's a really interesting angle and I think a cool feature. Uh, the other big focus that Swan does is education. They've got a podcast called Swan Signal. They have a daily newsletter, The Daily Bitcoiner. They've got a Twitter spaces you can join called Cafe Bitcoin. I'm a big fan of their newsletter. It's uh, usually a few short paragraphs and maybe they make a point or maybe they link to a podcast or an article that they read or something. And then they'll have like a meme and then a quote about Bitcoin. And then sometimes I think they have job listings where people can try to get a job in the Bitcoin industry. So that's Swan Bitcoin. Uh, the other thing they do with education is They've sent me a couple of ebooks. One is called Inventing Bitcoin, which I have not read, but it's on my list. The other one is by Tomer Strolite. I think, you know, kind of a weird name, but he is, uh, I think, European. He's got an ebook, relatively short. It's called Why Bitcoin. I think it's around 50 pages when you take out all the chapter headings. It's broken down into about 50 points, and it's about every one to three pages is a point. Very short, very sweet, very simple. And that was one of the more enjoyable reads that I've read about Bitcoin. Very easy read. And I remember the last section, the last, what, three or four pages or so, I was like, wow. Really shifted my mindset on a lot of stuff and opened my eyes. Another thing about Swan Bitcoin that I love is the CEO, Corey Clips. He's quite active on Twitter. He's called out 
Uh, the Terra Luna stablecoin collapse. It was backed by Bitcoin and like heralded by Bitcoiners and cryptocurrency people. And he looked into it. He noticed some problems and he raised an alarm. And what do you know, it collapsed. And actually this last week, the guy that was behind that has been brought into custody and arrested. Uh, his name is Doquan. So that was kind of a controversial thing where he was basically saying something's wrong, something's wrong. And a lot of people did not listen and they got wrecked, you could say. Uh, but he also, soon after that, did some investigating into Celsius and found some weird things with that exchange. And of course, we know what happened with Celsius. It went bankrupt and he warned me I got out of Celsius before they went bankrupt. Same thing with Voyager. Same thing with FDX. This guy is pretty sharp and he has an extremely good track record of calling out scams. And without him, I would have lost virtually all the Bitcoin I had at the time. So I am extremely grateful for him. He comes off maybe, you could say, arrogant or aggressive or as uh, harsh, maybe a little bit rude. But man, uh, if you listen to him, you are doing a lot better than the people that ignored him or basically went against him. So he is my number one follow in the Bitcoin space. I would follow him just about anywhere at this point because he has really helped me dodge some bullets, despite how abrasive he might come off. Another thing I was really impressed with Swan was I was, as I was reading through some of the FAQs and I noticed they had some really good security best practices, which impressed me because I'm delving into this and need to have a podcast on this as well. Uh, I recently went to a Bitcoin meetup with about 15 other people and learned a lot of the stuff. And to see that on the Swan FAQ made me think like, yeah, they're definitely on the right track. It, it validated everything. It all made sense to me. Um, this is a whole other topic, and I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole right now, but definitely some interesting stuff there. But those are the two places where, as a business, you can buy Bitcoin. And the differentiator, really, between the two is that with River, you could buy a hosted miner and start mining directly to your wallet, and that's a tax write-off, and that Bitcoin comes to you very privately. Uh, with Swan, you have the Bitcoin benefit plan where you can reward your employees uh, with monetary bonuses in Bitcoin basically like a 401k match or spot bonuses. So those are my two main options that if I was a business, I would probably go with Swan. But if you want to buy a miner, then River's your choice. I did have a call with Dante Cook at Swan to get more details, and he helped me get ready for this podcast. So he's a great resource. I may link to his uh, email here in the show notes if I remember to get all these links that I need to get. So the next step for a Bitcoin business would be to adopt Bitcoin as a payment option, a method of payment. And you can do that with ZapRite. That's who Swan Bitcoin recommended to me. Um, it's free right now. I, th I think it's in beta, but it's, it's kind of like QuickBooks meets Bitcoin, I believe. And you can actually generate invoices in Bitcoin. You can even do it for credit cards. So if you need a payment system at all for any business that you're going to start, look at ZapRite. Uh, they've got some good options for free. And they are also global, and it looks like you can maybe just add a payment button on your website. I still need to look at it a little bit more. They integrate with several other companies like Strike and with Stripe. Those both sound the same, but one is a P, one is a K. Strike and Stripe. Uh, they interface with a few other payment networks. Ibex Pay is another way uh, that you could, I think, accept Bitcoin. I haven't really looked into them, but I have heard of them. Uh, ZapRite integrates with them. They will be integrating with Swan Bitcoin soon. It says coming soon on their blog. So what that means is that with ZapRite, you can make these invoices, you can get paid in Bitcoin. And I think it would stay with ZapRite. Uh, you can't really 
connect that to your Swan account, but I think soon you'll be able to put that right into your Swan account so that you don't have money in two spots. So that's what I would set up is ZapRite, and that's what Swan Bitcoin recommended. It seems really simple, really easy. So the pros to this is that if your bank fails, you still have access to your Bitcoin. If you don't have a bank that's working, you have at least something to work with. You can also accept Bitcoin. You could communicate with your clients saying, hey, look, our bank failed, uh, but we can still take payments for Bitcoin. Now, it depends on how necessary your product is. Some people might just be like, well, we'll wait until your bank gets bought or bailed out or whatever. But who knows how long that can take. But you do want to be careful because adding Bitcoin to your treasury and adding Bitcoin as a payment option, I don't know if I would announce that to all of your client base because there might be a perception there. Um, I was actually presenting to my wife's business partners about how to do all this stuff. And a lot of their demographic is what the young people would call boomers. Uh, basically, we'll just say people 50 and older. And I was on Nextdoor the other day. Uh, there was a post that had caught my eye about FDIC insurance. And so I started posting about how Bitcoin will never close your account. Bitcoin has no counterparty risk. Uh, Bitcoin works 24-7 and it can't have a bank run and on and on. And just kind of planting that seed with some of these people. Got a lot of Warren Buffett quotes. I got a lot of look at FTX. A lot of people that don't understand you can self-custody your Bitcoin in a hot wallet, in a cold wallet, and have complete control over it no matter what the exchange does because you left the exchange behind and you are self-sovereign and you have full control of your Bitcoin 24-7. So people just, obviously, they don't know what they're talking about. They're not educated on Bitcoin. And so I kind of got some pushback on a lot of stuff, but all of these comments, like it did not go very well for me, except for this one lady was actually kind of funny. She had made this comment saying how she had looked into getting a Bitcoin miner, but my sweetie won't let me. He says it'll burn the house down. And I was like, girl, you need to get a new sweetie. Not really. I did not say that. I wanted to say that. But what I did say to her is check out the uh, FutureBit Apollo. It's a quiet in-home miner. It's not going to get you a lot of Bitcoin, but it's pretty cheap, quiet, and it takes a normal 120-volt plug outlet just like everything else. Um, with a normal Bitcoin miner, you need the 240-volt like you get with your dryer. All right, we're going to circle back on this tangent here. Uh, the point is, is that a lot of people, if you add Bitcoin payments, you might get some flack. You might get some, well, that's stupid, or this company is sketchy now. So you might want to do it quietly, just get set up. It depends on your demographic of your clients. Um, you can add it just to your website and not say anything. You don't necessarily have to send out an email blast and say, now we have this option. But it is a way around all the systemic risk in the banking system. So in my mind, it's kind of a no-brainer, especially if you're with a regional bank. There are tons of banks that are in the same situation as Silicon Valley Bank that are sitting on huge losses that do not have your money if everyone wanted it at the same time. And Bitcoin is going to run always. So I'd say be smart about it. I would get it set up and just have it there on your website somewhere. As a backup, um, maybe make it known to the people that are in the younger demographic or just let people self-discover it. Uh, because I really don't expect, even if my wife's business starts doing Bitcoin payments, I don't expect many people to pay in Bitcoin. Uh, but it is an option. And if your client's banks fail, if the business bank fails, then you will look really smart having got out in front of it and already having a contingency plan, a backup plan. So I think Bitcoin is the simplest, easiest way to mitigate systemic risk in the banking system. It seems like a no-brainer, especially if you bank with a regional bank.
because there are tons of banks in the same exact situation uh, sitting on losses on bonds that have gone down, down, down as rates have gone up. And if everyone wants their money at the same time, I mean, this is the thing is every bank is insolvent. We are basically unsecured creditors to banks at this point. They don't have your money. They don't have all your money. Uh, they have loaned it out and they have gambled it with it. So there's that tangent. Was that all just one pro? I, I know I was talking about the pros, but we're going to talk about another one. Uh, the Bitcoin fees are often less than a credit card fee. Um, I know my wife has told me sometimes how much they spent on credit card processing fees. Uh, 3% of revenue can get eaten up right off the top going to the credit card processors versus if someone were to pay in Bitcoin over the Lightning Network, it's going to be much, much cheaper, nowhere near probably even like a tenth of 1%, I believe, on the Lightning Network. So it's going to be extremely cheap and extremely fast. So that's another pro to Bitcoin payments. The con of accepting payments is, like I said, maybe perception. And it also might make your accounting a little bit tricky if you do get some payments, but hopefully it would not be that much volume at that point unless we get systemic bank failures. And then you might see a lot more volume than you expected. So I'm just saying that if you implement this and you get started, uh, you can be possibly a leader in whatever industry you are in, whatever business you have uh, in your location or nationally, if you're a bigger business, I think this is maybe a preemptive strike and you could get out in front of your competitors and possibly create some marketing buzz with your customer base. But if that worst case scenario of a bank run, bank failure happens, I think it will show how forward thinking your organization is and it will show and educate people that Bitcoin works when banking systems fail. Bitcoin has actually had 100% uptime for the last 10 years, so pretty impressive. It's open on weekends, no banking holidays, no delays, virtually instantaneous over the Lightning Network, which is the layer two of Bitcoin. Uh, I do have an episode on that in the archives with, uh, I think, Mr. Bitcoin Beast and my interview with Jordan Waymans. I think we touch on that uh, on the beginner's journey into Bitcoin. So go back in the archives if you want to learn more about how the Lightning Network works. I should revisit that at some point soon. But it's basically much faster and lower fee than settling on the main blockchain that might not make sense depending on how much you know about Bitcoin and the Lightning Network. But either way, you're learning. Uh, we basically covered now at this point how banks can allocate to their balance sheet, their treasury, their emergency fund to Bitcoin with Swan and River. You can do mining with River. You can do benefits or bonuses to your employees with Swan. And you can do payments with ZapRite or maybe with um, Ibex Pay. Coinbase has an e-commerce solution, but Coinbase is in bed with the government and has high fees. I really do not like Coinbase at this point. BitPay was another option, but none of these are Bitcoin only. And so I'm not a big fan of BitPay or Coinbase e-commerce. All right, we've, we've talked a little bit about why with those pros and cons. Um, I've been seeing Bitcoiners and business owners on LinkedIn saying that every business should now have two payrolls or basically a month worth of operating expenses of Bitcoin in their treasury, just in case a bank fails, they can continue without skipping a beat for their clients, for their vendors, for everything. As long as they use Bitcoin, they have a whole month to figure stuff out. So same thing with employees. If your employee's bank fails and you can't direct deposit and they got to pay something, you could pay them in Bitcoin. They could pay their mortgage with bit refill and different options like that. So in my mind, it makes sense to start allocating now. If it were me and I'm not a business owner, my wife is, but let's just say that even a small business, your monthly payroll might be 50000 I don't know how much your operating expenses would be, but maybe it's 75000 
That is a lot of money. I don't know how many small businesses have that kind of money just sitting in cash, or even if they have a couple months of emergency fund saved up. But let's just keep it simple and say that payroll expenses for one month are 40000 So there's about four weeks in a month. I would say maybe you do an initial allocation of say five to 10,000. So you're allocating about 12 and a half to 25% of your monthly payroll. And then you have at least one week, maybe-ish of leeway should a bank failure or bank run occur that affects you and your, a large amount of your clients. So maybe you do that with a one-time buy. And then at that point, I would just allocate. It depends on your conviction, depends on your understanding. But let's just say that you're gonna do 1% of your profit each month or 1% of your revenue each month, something like that. So say your monthly profit is $50,000. Maybe you buy just uh, $500 of Bitcoin every month or a thousand, that's 2%. And every month you just kind of dollar cost average your way up to having a month's worth of payroll. And it's gonna take a few months, maybe a couple years. Uh, also depends on the price of Bitcoin as well, but eventually you're gonna get there and you're gonna have that month saved up. But I would say maybe start with a week's worth of operating expenses as a one-time buy if you have a good cash flow and emergency fund. But you also need to learn and understand more. And you can always change this amount. You can go higher or lower. But knowing what I know, that's possibly, probably what I would do if I were a business owner, but I'm not. So the whole point is that you want to be outside the systems of banks. One post that I saw that was really crazy was this lady named Caitlin Long. I follow her on LinkedIn. Uh, she's the CEO of Custodia Bank. And they actually went to the Federal Reserve and they tried to get her bank approved to hold 108% of the money that clients deposit with the bank. So let's just say that they have 10 customers with $10,000 each. They would want to hold not 100,000, all of the customer's money. They want to hold 108,000 in that bank so that they could withstand a full bank run and still have $8,000 left over. Now, the Federal Reserve denied them of this request. It was actually against the rules for them to have all of their clients' money available at all times. So that's what we have. The system that we have right now is called fractional reserve banking, which means when you go and put your $100 in the bank, they are taking 90% of that and loaning it out to someone else. Actually, that's what the rules used to be back in 2020, is that banks had to keep 10% of deposits in cash. They had to keep 10 out of every $100 in deposits there. Uh, but they actually changed that rule in 2020 to make it 0%. So banks are not required to keep any percentage of your cash in reserves. And this is a huge issue. Uh, one of the things that makes the bank runs worse today is the fact that we have online banking. Silicon Valley Bank had $42 billion pulled out of it within one day, probably via smartphones and laptops. Um, it's just different because if you go and watch uh, It's a Wonderful Life, and you'll see how a bank run used to happen where everyone runs into the bank and gets in line and tries to get their money out, and then eventually they run out. But back in the day, even 20 years ago, you had to go to the ATM with your debit card. You had to go into the, your branch and withdraw your money. You still can do that and go to an ATM and go inside, but it's really not that hard to just transfer everything over with Chase Bank uh, because they are too big to fail. Caitlin Long has gone on to say that the world is waking up to the fact that a bank deposit is an unsecured loan to a leveraged counterparty, and that FDIC insurance has only $128 billion in it. If you want to know what the total deposits are in U.S. commercial banks, that number is $17.6 trillion. 
and that money itself is a confidence game, always has been. So let's go back to this point that Caitlin makes about the FDIC. It's an insurance fund for banks with $128 billion in it, and all the commercial banks have deposits of $17.6 trillion. So some people are saying, hey, what if this goes systemic and bank after bank after bank fails and maybe gets bailed out or bought? What if they bail out all of the banks for all this fractional reserve lending for all the money that's not there? Did they possibly just print $17.6 trillion? That is the worst case scenario if they had to bail out every single bank in the country and if the whole system just blew up. I think that's the absolute worst case scenario. The United States already has $31 trillion of debt. But what if we had to backstop all this fake money by printing more to backstop all the money that the banks loaned out and that they're sitting on a loss with these bonds? It's uh, trillions and trillions of dollars, so it's going to make inflation so much worse. Uh, They would definitely print the money. And yeah, that's really bad. It's just going to exacerbate the situation long term. There was another post I saw, just a random guy on Twitter. It says, so we are printing money to backstop the banks who have massive losses because the Fed raised rates to bring down inflation caused by money printing. It's a vicious cycle. Another LinkedIn post from Daniel Roberts. He says, banking crisis 101. You didn't deposit your money with the bank. You made an unsecured loan. The banks don't have your money now. They lost it gambling on long-term bonds and mortgage securities as their prices cratered from the Fed dialing up rates. There isn't enough money for everyone unless the Fed prints more. This is why Bitcoin, still only 21 million of them, still transactions every 10 minutes. Another post from Jacob Asperian. He says, it's amusing to me when someone who works in a system where money can be printed out of thin air has a centralized entity dictating interest rates that continues to bail out unprofitable businesses, decides to call Bitcoin a Ponzi. And then he shares this quote. It is difficult to get a man to understand something when his salary depends upon his not understanding it. All right, well, I'm going to wrap this up. Bitcoin in self-custody cannot be rehypothecated. It cannot be lent out. So if you hold Bitcoin in self-custody or in cold storage, it's pretty simple. It just works for you. It's there all the time, completely available. Hopefully this is useful to some business owners out there, or if you know any business owners, feel free to share this episode. Uh, Or if you're going to start a business. I actually had just shared the Bitcoin benefit plan with my HR rep, and I know it's a super long shot that they would institute anything like that, but who knows? I work for a small company of less than 200 people, and maybe, just maybe, I can get the monthly Bitcoin benefit, but I guess we will have to see. I, I think it's a lot simpler than a 401k, which can be really hard to get employees to opt into to even get a match or they choose the wrong fund, or you get expensive funds that have terrible fees or loads, or you get those people in your 401k that start putting money into it, but it just sits in cash and doesn't actually get invested because they don't know what they're doing. Well, with Bitcoin, it's relatively straightforward, and you can just buy Bitcoin. Uh, the supply cap cannot be diluted. So yeah, I would say if you want to learn more about that, episode 64 is really short, just 10 minutes, and I try to explain how your money cannot be inflated away. It is a very hard money. However much Bitcoin you have out of 21 million Bitcoin is how much you'll always have. As long as the internet works, basically, because there are 47,000 distributed computers enforcing the rules. So you would have to shut down the internet or hack 47,000 computers across different networks to make that change. So that would be extremely hard to do. But we'll just have to see how the next few years go, because like Ray Dalio says, we are working our way through probably what's going to be a big debt crisis. Uh, That's one of the next books on my list as well. It's uh, Principles for the Changing World Order. 
And the other one, I think, is navigating big debt crises. This is kind of just how things work. Currencies fail. Uh, most of the time, it comes as a surprise when it does happen because it happens every three or four generations relatively infrequently. If you live in a third world country, it happens a lot more often. But for most people in uh, developed nations, it's uh, a once in a lifetime or a few lifetime events. It might take uh, 100 to two or 300 years. There's this book called When Money Dies. So one day, hopefully I can read that and I can keep learning and pumping out some podcasts here and sharing some of that information. There are some websites that show maps and they have a dot for every business that accepts Bitcoin. And you can see what businesses in your community accept Bitcoin and transact in it. Uh, the one app that I'm aware of that does this is called Oshi. That's O-S-H-I. And I will link that in the show notes. Um, another thing is there is a podcast that I have recently become aware of. And I've actually talked to the guy a few times. His name is Josh Friedemann, and it's Business Bitcoinization Podcast. So I will share that in the show notes. He interviews mostly uh, entrepreneurs, business owners that are basically accepting Bitcoin as payment and stuff like that. So I think that's really interesting. And I think his podcast is going to grow and go somewhere, especially with, with all the banking crisis going on right now. So I appreciate you listening. Please share the show if you found value in this. Grab some free Bitcoin from Swan, River, or Strike. And remember that financial independence is doable. And I'll be back with you soon.